from DynastyLeagueFootball.com and the DLF family of podcasts, this is the Super Flex Super Show. Your main source for strategy, speculation, player values, and all things Super Flex. With innovative strategies like QBX and the Super Flex Flywheel, exercises like Tinder Flex, Super Six, You're Nuts, and next week this week, the Super Show's Super Friends never lack the content you need to help you draft and manage your roster in the fastest growing fantasy football format, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Enjoy your DLF podcast and stay sexy and super flexy. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yeah, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast, Dan, Matt, and Ryan. Episode, Jesus, 560 already? We are cruising through these uh, on this awesome offseason. Man, there's so much news to cover, so many things happening in the NFL, in our Dynasty community, really. Uh, we're going to try to react to as much as we can. We got a unique mock draft this week that should be fun. Um, should be able to shine some light on some of the movement happening across the NFL. We got our stash of the week brought to you by sleeper as always. And we got more rookies to talk about. So talking veterans, talking rookies on the episode, but first we got to talk to our guys, Ryan and Matt guys, welcome into episode 560. Thanks, Dan. Glad to be here. Uh, ready to talk some dynasty as always. We have definitely had a lot of news uh, since we were here last. Lots of uh, free agency news and couple of couple of news pieces we're still waiting on. You know, it started as like when you turn on the shower and it it just floods. The water just starts pushing through, um, and then when you now we're to the point, Matt, that. At the end of the shower, when you turn it off, there's just a drip that lasts for like a day. That's where we're at now. Not a lot of news coming in. A uh, little trickle now and then. We got a little Dalton Schultz news, a little Devin Singletary, but the big ones have signed. Yeah, I mean, if we have a drip for, I feel like you need a plumber. Is it going to fall? Is there a <laughs> dynasty plumber out there? I'm sure, that's a, I'm sure that's a Twitter. Um, yeah, I mean, this. I mean, <laughs> somebody grab that. Uh, yeah, like I, I mean, I get so excited for free agency, but this year it was just like everybody went back to the same team, right? So like all the exciting players that we thought might change landing spots, we got a few, but uh, yeah, we're we're at, we're at the dregs now. We're at the the residue that's at the bottom of that coffee pot. That's we're just waiting for it to settle or get flushed down the drain, I guess. Oh my gosh, we're just full of them today. Uh, let's get, <laughs> let's get right to the episode on that. The startup. Yeah, guys, all this news, all these players either changing teams or returning to their teams, and yet the biggest news is the news that hasn't really happened yet, Ryan. We just we just keep on waiting on Lamar Jackson, and we keep on waiting on Aaron Rodgers. Are these quarterback? Are we gonna are we gonna find an end to these stories here sooner, or is it gonna be later? I think it might be later on on both players. Um, yeah. You know, in in Rodgers' case. He made his uh, his feelings public uh, and his desire public, you know, very public in a very lengthy and and well watched uh, podcast. I mean, that thing was torture. If you watch that, uh, I don't I don't know how you got through it, but um, you know, we know what he wants. We certainly know what the Jets want, and now we just have to wait and see if the Packers are in line with that, and they're going to. You know, it sounds like they're going to stick to their guns as far as their trade demands. And I think they absolutely should do that. They should um, milk this situation. They know Rodgers wants to play. They know who he wants to play for. They should basically name their price at this point and wait for the Jets to meet that price. Yeah, and clearly that that price is going to drop at some point, Matt, but the pressure continues to to linger right? It, among Jets fans, among that front office, and really that team, the team is out there signing Alan Lazard, and there's a wish list, and all the news that we've heard over the last couple of weeks surrounding Rodgers and the Jets, 
And now the Packers are are going to dig in their heels. And, you know, like I said, there's a there's that expiration date at some point. Rodgers can't show up to the facility for OTAs. That's going to be that's going to be hella awkward. But for now, we all wait. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like maybe I'm wrong. You guys tell me wrong. I feel like the, the Jets are the ones that are really under pressure right now. I mean, they're going to go into the season with Zach Wilson again. I mean, if the Rodgers go back to the Packers, it's going to hurt our you know our cap numbers, all that kind of stuff. But and he you know he may be a distraction if they truly will move on to Jordan Love, even if Aaron Rodgers is still on the team. But the Jets are the ones that I mean, it just just seems like they should be willing to pay what they want. Uh, what the Packers want at this point. The, the reports of the two two first was pretty ridiculous that I saw a couple places. Like, I don't think like a single first. I can't imagine the Packers are asking much more than that. Um, so, like, the Jets seem ready to compete, and Rodgers is the piece of that puzzle. Like, we see these quarterbacks changing hands with uh, like the one hundred one going for for a couple first. Obviously, Rodgers isn't worth that, but. Uh, you know, it feels like if you get the quarterback and that's the last piece, you should be be willing to pay up for it. And if, if they feel that that's the guy, then, then then pay up already. Let's get let's move it. Brian, how do you feel about the Jets playmakers there? The the young group of pass catchers and Brees Hall as well. How do you feel about those guys with Aaron Rodgers throwing them the ball? Uh, I, I love it. I love the idea of that. I mean, I think Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson specifically were were already being valued as you know, borderline elite dynasty assets. They've both been uh, first rounders in dynasty startups um, or, or, or very close to it. I don't think we're going to get any kind of discount. You know, if you want to try to buy before the Rogers deal becomes official, you're, you're way too late for that. You know, maybe that can still be done with a guy like Elijah Moore. Uh, maybe there's a, a chance to target him in trades, or uh, if you're doing a startup draft right around now, that's a possibility. But then there's, you know, you mentioned the list and they've already brought in Lazard. And I mean, I think we have to assume that uh, that Randall Cobb likely comes with uh, comes with Rogers. And I mean, how much does that really hurt Elijah Moore or, or anybody else? Probably not much at this point, but uh, I think it's I think it has to be a, a legit concern how much Rogers will rely on a guy like Elijah Moore. Um you know, Garrett Wilson, I think that the talent will shine through and there won't be really any option, but Rogers is always, you know, stuck to those veterans when he's, when he's been able to. In the meantime, we, we also continue to wait for a team to get interested, I guess, in Lamar Jackson, Matt, this is a, this is a weird situation with an MVP quarterback that isn't getting much interest, at least not that much that we've heard about. I think the Ravens played this properly, right? They, they put the tag on them, said, go find out what your real value is and bring that back to us. And it, to this point, it's getting many offers out there. It's, it's just feeling more and more likely that he's coming back to the Ravens this year. And I mean, what do you think? Do you think that Lamar will play under this tag? Like, I just, I don't know. He seems like somebody who is speaking of digging your heels in. it seems like he has dug his in hill heels in. I've saw one report out there a couple of weeks ago, maybe last week uh, about, he was offered like a three year, 150 something million dollar contract, 130 yeah, he something that. like that. And he, and he, and he passed that down. Oh, he did. Okay. Uh, like that is like, like you sure it isn't like maybe the years that you want, I guess, but like, I mean, come on, man. Like what, that seems like a pretty good middle ground to me. And then you hit free agency again as an unrestricted free agent and you just reset the market again. Right. So I, I don't really know. I, I don't want to be the guy that says you should get an agent, but like, I feel like an agent probably would have just told him to take that. I just feel like, I mean, I love watching Lamar play. Obviously he's one of the, He's one of the best players in the league and one of the most fun players to watch. But at this point, I almost hope he does sit out. If, if, if the tag is the only option, I hope he sits out. Um, You know, the teams continue to have all the leverage here and it's just, it's just kind of frustrating. Like I'm, I'm rooting for him to win whatever a win for Lamar looks like at this point, whether it's a, the contract that he wants from another team or, uh, the Ravens deciding to pay up, which doesn't seem likely. Uh, I, I want Lamar to win, and that might mean sitting out a big chunk of the 2023 season. 
what if he just walks away? Like, wouldn't that be something if he just not worth it? Not giving me what I want. I'm out. Yeah, that'd be painful as a dynasty manager to see something like that happen. <laughs> and even your uh, scenario there, Ryan, that that's kind of painful oh, for, sure. for dynasty managers yeah. to think about actually missing time. If you're in a super flex and you're relying on Lamar right now, you, you're probably pretty scared. I know I have him in a couple places and I'm I'm not I'm not too worried about it just yet, but certainly monitoring the situation my gut as a dynasty manager and and as a fan of Lamar, I like to watch him play on Sundays. It, I would prefer he go back to Baltimore. I would prefer that coaching staff be really happy with the deal they got, that front office be really happy, and Lamar to be really happy with it, Whatever, wherever that middle ground is, because they know how to use Lamar properly. They've They've shown that they can do that to the to the extent that he can win you fantasy championships and that they can compete for NFL championships, really. The health, I really do think that the health is the deciding factor in this. The Ravens are concerned about his health. Dynasty managers are concerned about his health. And Lamar wants to be paid like he's playing 17 games and putting his, putting his uh, health out there on the line every single week, which he is. For the team, it's an interesting situation. Both Rodgers and Jackson, we're all depending on these guys, and we're just waiting on the news that can cement their future dynasty value. We're just going to have to keep waiting. Uh, hopefully, both get resolved soon, and we know exactly what to do on our teams. Sleeper Stash of the Week. Yeah, it's time to do the sleeper stash of the week where we take a look at a player outside our top 280p that we think you should maybe consider for your roster, Ryan. Who you yeah, got I would week? consider this week Tim Patrick. Uh, he's been a little bit in the news uh, this past couple weeks as his teammates, uh, Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, have been uh, have been involved in some trade rumors that Denver is looking to move one uh, or maybe even both of those guys. I, I would be surprised if they end up trading them both. Uh, but some a couple of Denver beat writers have really been pumping up Tim Patrick, which I've been very surprised to see. Of course, he missed last season with an ACL injury. He is 29 years old, will turn 30 in uh, during during the upcoming season. So those are not players we typically want to invest in. Fortunately, you don't have to invest much in Tim Patrick. He is the wide receiver 92 right now in our, in our ADP, 227 overall. Um, he's actually, I just noticed, actually above Allen Robinson in ADP, which is a little sad. But uh, Tim Patrick is the guy who might be out on waiver wires, especially if your league does not have an injured reserve spot uh, since he did miss last year. So if he's out there, I would grab Tim Patrick right now. I think we'll know within the next month or so, uh, certainly by the NFL draft, if the Broncos are going to move uh, one of those top receivers. If they do, Patrick likely gets a much larger opportunity. If they don't, if the draft comes and goes, Sutton and Judy are still on that roster, you can probably dump Patrick for uh, one of these uh, stash rookies instead. So Tim Patrick is your stash of the week brought to you by Sleeper Fantasy, the fastest growing fantasy football platform in the world. Download their app, join a new dynasty league or migrate yours to their platform and enjoy how easy they make it to manage all your leagues in one place. The DLF Dynasty Podcast Mock Draft. All right, we like to do mocks and we like to do creative mocks. This week we wanted a we really wanted a highway to talk about all the changes that have happened in the dynasty landscape through free agency and and through the trade market as well. So we decided to draft dynasty players only based on the only players that have changed teams this offseason. So um we'll try to get through I don't know, 10, 12 picks. We'll do as many as we, we think are necessary here. But uh, Matt, you are the lucky one that drew the number one pick in this this draft. So who's the guy that, that I guess, either gained the most value or is the most valuable in Dynasty and also changed are teams we, this Are we going super flex? Well, you know, there's so there's Are we so going many... super flex, Dan? <laughs> okay. Sure. I, was, I was wondering. Sure, let's sure. do super flex. 
I mean, there's so many good options. How could I not <laughs> find one to pick to pick here? <laughs> is this like the, the the biggest tier tier one of all of all tiers of anything? Uh, I I, I'm so. just gonna go with DJ. Go, I'm just gonna go with DJ Moore to the to the Bears. Uh, I know we talked about how it could it's, it could be almost certainly is going to be a downgrade in terms of volume, but it's a quarterback upgrade. He's clearly the number one target. And, you know, maybe Justin Fields takes a leap as a passer. Not saying we're going to get the, the, the difference of between, you know, Jalen Hurts 2021 and 2022 here with Fields. But I think the passing volume has to come up just based on regression alone with the Bears being by far the run heaviest team last year. I just feel like that's got to change a little bit uh, since they've invested a little bit in the passing game. So I'll go with DJ Moore here as the first pick. <laughs> If you didn't catch our conversation last week on the podcast, we talked about the trade and, and really every how we feel about all the different angles of it. DJ Moore is clearly, Ryan, the the number one pick in this draft. I don't think we have to waste too much time on that. It does get a little bit more interesting at number two. Yeah, up. Matt had the easy spot uh, as DJ Moore. Yeah, certainly the number one pick. Not necessarily because of the... Um, the changing of teams, but just, uh, just the dynasty value he still carries at his age. Uh, it's wide open from here, especially if we are, uh, playing from that super flex point of view, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Darren Waller here. Waller, of course, traded from, uh, from Mm -hmm. the Raiders to the New York giants. I mean, the giants, not only do they not have a wide receiver one, I'm not sure they have a wide receiver two. Uh, I like Wondell Robinson. Obviously he's hurt. Sterling Shepard's hurt. He's back. They bring back Darius Slayton when he got no interest on the free agent market. Uh, They bring in Paris Campbell, but gave him a very uh, low dollar contract. So his, uh, his demand was, was not very high out there. Darren Waller is going to see all the targets he can handle in this offense. His dynasty values dropped a lot after uh, missing much of last season, but uh, I really like this landing spot for him to recoup some of that value. I really didn't think I'd get sniped in this thing. Uh, I had Darren Waller <laughs> at the two as well. I kind of thought you'd go a different direction there, Ryan. In fact, when you asked about the quarterback thing, the super flex thing, I said, <laughs> yeah, sure. Do that. Hopefully he goes. Yeah. He goes take one of those bad quarterbacks. Uh, Darren Waller. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. Darren Waller. He, the age makes you think twice about it, right? Because it's not like he's a 27 year old tight end. He's, he's getting close to 30. Or if he's not already, you probably mentioned that. Um, but the landing spot, man, that that's just dynamite. And considering he plays uh, from that flexed out position in the slot, he'll play that big slot in New York. And I, I really like him to recuperate some of that value. In fact, we might see that next week in a, or excuse me, next uh, month in ADP. I have the number three pick, and just so you know, we're not going to snake this one. We're each going to take three picks at a time. Uh, So with the third pick, I'm going to go with Miles Sanders, going from Philadelphia to Carolina. Um, Until the Darren Waller trade, I probably would have had this as as the number two pick. It's not that exciting unless you're you're like a Penn State Miles Sanders uh, truther. Back to the Penn State days when he looked so dynamic and – then he went to Philadelphia and we were all so excited about his upside and he just never really reached that level level. Although he was very productive, especially this past year for the Eagles um, solid RB two, right? Well, now in Carolina, he should be the guy he should be. He, sh- he should really be the primary tailback on first and second down. And unless something changes throughout the rest of the off season, I could see him being the pass catching option back there too. So I think the production will increase. The opportunity certainly will. I'm excited about who they pick at number one at quarterback. That offensive line is a work in progress, but has some pieces there that that are certainly uh, very exciting. So I, I really like Miles Sanders landing in Carolina. I think that's one of the, the buzz spots for a running back this offseason. They went the veteran right, route rather than going the – the rookie route. And if they do that in the draft, obviously Sanders loses some of the spike in value. The contract was nice four years, 25 million. It looks like there's probably an out after the second year. Um, but, but I think that guarantees us two years or certainly looks like it guarantees us two years of Sanders carrying the rock down there in Carolina. I, I think, I think he got a nice little bump 
or at least held on to a lot of his dynasty value. Yeah, I think it's a great spot, especially with uh, with Deonta Foreman moving on. Um, it just seems like he's going to get all the volume instead of having guys like Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell, you know, mixing in with them. You know, Chuba Hubbard, of course, is still there, but I think he'll, he's pretty pretty going to be pretty far ahead of him. So love that. That would have been my pick here as well. I'm going to go to a yeah, right running back. Before you move on, yes. if, if you're – if you're holding Miles Sanders in a league and you wrote him out as your RB2 last year, maybe you won a title or have one of the last picks in the draft. Are you are you trying to sell on him right now or are you going to continue to ride him for the next couple seasons? Not for what you're going to get. I don't think you're going to get more than a mid-second and if I'm still competing, I feel like I'm I'm holding on for that. Same Somebody comes right? calling with the 112, sure, I'll take it. <laughs> you know, but I don't think a mid-second's going to do it. Ryan, you're holding. To yeah, it. I totally agree with Matt. I, I think uh, I think we'll see some an ADP gain for Sanders. Currently, RB thirty two. He's behind uh, quite a few names that I could see him uh, eclipsing with this landing spot. But as far as trade value, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that mid second, maybe an early second, is is the best you can get. So most likely, if I'm if I'm contending, I'll I'll just hang on to him. Let's move on to the fourth pick of this exercise, Matt. You're holding that one. Yeah, I'm going to go back to running back. I'm going to go with David Montgomery. I, I don't know why. I don't really like. Didn't really like Montgomery as a player coming out. Certainly didn't like him in Chicago. But I just like this for the Lions. Like I like the direction this team is going. He steps into a role that Jamal Williams held last year and got 17 touchdowns out of it. I don't think that's going to happen. But I could see you know 10 to 12 touchdowns in a, in a similar role. And I just think it's completely bad news for uh, for DeAndre Swift. You know, I, I, what is the the value difference between David Montgomery and DeAndre Swift right now? It can't be that much. I mean, is it a first? I feel like I feel like it isn't at this point. Uh, you got a three year deal, eighteen million dollar contract, eleven million guarantee. That's a serious contract for a running back uh, in today's NFL. So uh, I think they want us to just slot him in and and be Jamal Williams' offense with with a lot more, I would say, lateral agility. You know, on the turf with the, with one of Montgomery's really great uh, uh, talents is his ability to with his lateral agility and kind of just juke tackles and, and force miss tackle kind of king in college. So I think we'll see more of that even on that on that fast turf in Detroit. So I really like this. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I would pay a first for Deandre Swift at this point. So I'm definitely not giving no. a first and Montgomery. Uh, so the, the value gap yeah. between those two yeah. guys, uh, certainly closing and less than a first rounder at this point, I think. Yeah. And we, man, if we were doing a, the same thing, but with dynasty losers, Swift might be the number one pick in that one, right? We're 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 concerned. Concern might not be a we might be at DEFCOM one or five, whichever one's the most important one. Uh it's it's not looking good for Swift well, at this point. Why don't they Ryan, just trade him? Why don't they just trade Swift? Like like clearly they don't like they him want, as a player. They want like... to use him seven times a game. That's what they want. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't get it. Um what a win. <laughs> With this pick, uh, fifth well fifth pick here. Uh, the quarterbacks, uh, they're they're tempting here, but I just don't know that they have upside. I'm going to go with a guy who, had, who has shown upside his entire career. I love the new landing spot. I'm going to take Brandon Cooks, uh, traded to the... <laughs> oh, you dirty dog. <laughs> I got you again? <laughs> I should have been. I should have given myself the second pick. <laughs> uh, of course, Cooks was traded to the Dallas Cowboys. I think the expectation was that Cooks would get released, uh, not only because he had made it clear he had no uh, interest in playing for the Texans moving forward, but also that contract, uh, pretty tough one to trade for. Uh, that's why Houston ended up only getting a couple of day uh, day three picks. But I think it's a great move for Dallas. They had to get uh, had to get some help. Michael Gallup showed uh, either he's not fully healthy or or maybe just honestly not talented enough enough to take that wide receiver two role. Uh, they busted on Jalen Tolbert, uh, the rookie from last season, and they've now lost uh, Dalton Schultz. So lots of targets open and available, and uh, Brandon Cooks is going to soak them up there in Dallas. Yeah, and Gallup would be on that list of players that lost some value or lost a little bit of upside as well. I think there were a lot of dynasty managers saying, all right, that's fine, but let's wait 
for 2023. And now, now we're questioning all that stuff uh, with him. So good pick there. I certainly would have taken him with my next pick. I was hoping you'd go with the quarterbacks. I'm going to stay away from them, from them as well. I'm going to go with uh, the aforementioned Jamal Williams with my next pick. I, I, some people see this as a lateral move at best because how are you going to get 17 touchdowns once again? But I really like the move to New Orleans, especially considering everything that's uh, happening in that backfield right now. We're we're concerned, right, about Alvin Kamara for this coming season. Um, Williams had a uh, thousand rushing yards in those seventeen touchdowns. He had two hundred sixty-two rushing attempts, so he he showed that he can carry the ball between the tackles every single week. So it might not be long-term upside with Williams, but I think he holds a lot of the value that he had last year. We all thought, um, we all thought there was a good chance that that last season was a mirage, that that was just a one-time thing. And while he's not going to score double digit touchdowns, most likely, I think there's a good chance Jamal Williams gets close to the same amount of rushing attempts in 2023 as he did in 2022. And that translates to a thousand yards that translates to uh, six, eight, nine touchdowns in the red zone. That turns into a solid RB two. I like Jamal Williams to be uh, kind of a dynasty sleeper once again, as he has been for so long. Yeah. I like that quite a bit, uh, especially like you, you, you mentioned it kind of vaguely, but we'll just say Alvin Kamara's future is uncertain. Right. And, he, yeah. and even if he is back for the full season, you know, I, maybe this is the spells uh, am going back to more of a receiving role, which we want for him anyway. So I, I, I like that pick quite a bit. Um, man, just a lot of good stuff left you guys. I don't know how to, to choose here. I'm going to go to right back to running back again. I'm going to take Rashad Penny, uh, new, newly, to the Philadelphia Eagles that he doesn't need to catch the ball there. They don't like to throw it to him anyway, as long as he's healthy feels like, uh, you know, a massive upgrade behind one of the best lines in the league. So, uh, I'll take, I like, I like Rashad Penny here and, and I sleeper from a couple of weeks that Trey Sermon one, you can go <laughs> ahead and drop him. Yeah. Yeah. That, that died quick. Right. I, I don't mind the penny pick here that he was on my list for sure. I don't know if I would have considered him quite this high, but I see what you're seeing for sure. He's a guy that um, I think when he's healthy, he's going to be the Miles Sanders of that backfield from this past season. Plus, so you yeah. know you have to you have to balance that. How 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 long do you think he can stay healthy? How long will he continue to be on the field? He mixes in well with that offensive line and that offense. He he's a good fit there in Philadelphia. So uh, certainly was going to get picked in this one. Uh, you certainly feel like you, you're probably seeing like RB2 upside there, huh? Matt, if yeah, you absolutely. Stay sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Ryan, who you got here at number seven overall? I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Jacoby Myers here. Uh, goes over to the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, looks like he's, I think, likely to be the wide receiver too. So uh, maybe could potentially view that as a downgrade as he was the top target for uh, New England now will be obviously behind uh, behind Devonte Adams and battling uh, Hunter Renfro for targets. Uh, I was looking at a couple couple other wide receivers ultimately I just think the the Raiders offense is likely to be better here. Uh, Myers got a, a decent contract maybe not as much as expected but uh, like the talent he's a player who, continues to improve each year. Yeah, I like that. He was on my list as well. Um certainly I, I'm assuming I'm yeah. assuming you guys like that better than 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 Juju. So well those are ob- yeah, I mean those are obviously the two I I was debating. Um yeah. And yeah, that I mean that I actually had Juju one spot ahead because of the right. number one thing or, or you know, um, <laughs> it really is how, how you value what Devonte Adams will do for Jacoby Myers. If that opens him up to make more plays underneath, or if you think that Juju being the number one will outweigh what, what Jacoby did, you know, the, the Patriots spread the ball out so much and that's by design is, is Juju's talent level, uh, being so much more than Jacoby Myers going to change that? I'm really well, not, I'm that not sure. sure that's the case. So no. 
<laughs> wow. Negative words about Juju Smith-Schuster Smith from I Ryan McDowell. Juju, That's rare. Got, uh, I'm real. not going with Juju with my pick here. Uh, yeah, be honest, right? Um, I'm up at number nine overall. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick. I'm going to go to New England, but I'm not going Juju. I'm going to actually take oh. Mike Gusecki. And that might sound kind of gross to some people um, because I, I know he's got to share that role. He's got to share that tight end role in New England. But think back a couple of seasons. Mike Gusecki was pretty uh, productive in Miami for, for a two or three season stretch. And now he goes to a coaching staff and a team that has a history of using tight ends. He's a field stretcher. And, and that all went away when Tyreek Hill landed in, in Miami. Well, they don't have anything close to Tyreek Hill in New England. And, and certainly Juju Smith-Schuster isn't going to stretch the seam any for the Patriots. So I really like what Gasecki does for him. Sure, maybe Hunter Henry cuts into him enough that he's not a top 12 tight end for us. But I think there's an avenue to the Patriots loving Mike Gasecki and his skill set. And by the end of the season, he's a starter for all of us. We're really throwing darts at a board at this point. And I wanted to talk about Mike Gusecki. I only got one more pick in this thing. So I had to talk about him here. Yeah, I didn't think I'd be wishing for another round or two, but but I kind of wish we were doing another round or two. Uh, <laughs> man, I'm guessing because no one has picked him yet, he's not eligible, but I feel like Calvin Ridley maybe should be talked about on this list, but uh, we'll, we'll leave him. I think he would be the number one pick, wouldn't he? Matt, wouldn't he be the number one pick? I knew you would try something like this. Like I knew, I knew with the first pick you would try to take Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Players who change. I don't know why you're talking. I always play with it. No. No. All right. Fine. We won't go that way. I'm going to go with a quarterback, and I'm not going to go with one of the probably, you know, maybe one of the better signings. But I think the most interesting signing at quarterback uh, was Sam Darnold to the 49ers. Uh, So much uncertainty. Really? Are you what? serious, Matt? I'm, I'm absolutely serious. I think it's the most interesting one. I think all of these are fine. I have another. You want me no. to pick a different one? I can pick a different one. No, go ahead. I got to know go the with reason. Sam Darnold because I just think there's so much uncertainty with, with Purdy and Lance. And, you know, it's freaking Kyle Shanahan. And we've seen what, he's, what he does with quarterbacks. Uh, I, I mean, would we say that Sam Darnold from an arm talent perspective is, is above someone like Brock Purdy, I feel like he still is. So maybe it's a reclamation project, whatever you want to call it. But as the quarterback three there, I mean, I I don't think it's impossible that he makes some starts this season. No. Uh, so I really like it. I don't think it's the best of the quarterbacks out there that you made some, but one of you guys might pick here in the last round, but I think it's the most interesting of them. Yeah. It's a, it's a one-year deal, four and a half million dollars. I think, I think most of it's guaranteed. So he's, he's going to be on the team most likely. I, I got to say, I did not expect Sam Darnold to get picked in this. <laughs> I didn't pick, think you uh, mock so, Ryan, uh, I'm, uh, I'm not done with this here. We, we... <laughs> Matt, in, so in a dynasty super flex, would you, I mean, none of these quarterbacks have gone off the board because there are questions about, about their upside. So, I mean, sure. Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield, Derek Carr, Jacoby Brissett, would you take would you rather gamble on a guy like Darnold who's going to be cheaper than those guys or most of those guys uh, versus trying to, you know, pay like a late first rounder for Garoppolo or Carr? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it depends. I think, you know, like everything in dynasty, it comes down to your team construction, but if I have two starters already, like, I don't, I mean, I know what Derek Carr is. He's had like, what, 125 perform, performance in like the last three seasons, something like that. Uh, Jimmy G, I like him, but it seems like they're surrounding him with these dink and dunk guys. And it's just going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be Hunter Renfro and it's going to be uh, Jacoby Myers, like three, five yards every, every play. I am a little bit worried about Devontae Adams there under that kind of system, to be honest with you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I would rather at cost pay, pay a lot less for Sam Darnold. Can I get Sam Darnold for a third? Yeah versus yeah, paying a first for Derek can. Carr or something. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Like, like for price, the only other, I, maybe I don't want to steal your thunder, but there is one other quarterback I wanted to mention. So I'll wait. Well, until let, we're done we'll, with we'll, it. we'll have a bonus round, a, a quick yeah. uh, throw a few names out thing at the end. I really did think that you were going to say Jacoby Brissett's name, Matt. He like, was the, he was one of the other two. Yeah. 
Okay, when you set that up, I thought, oh, he's going Brissett. He thinks he's going like to win him. the job and and be a you know a fringe quarterback one or something. I don't, I don't know what's going on, Ryan. Uh, can you bring us back? <laughs> no, to I think I'm going to follow Matt. Uh, follow Matt down the uh, down the crazy trail here. <laughs> I'm a trendsetter, you guys. I'm a trendsetter. Um, okay, if we're just talking right. dynasty rankings, I've got Garoppolo and and Carr much higher than this guy. I've got Juju much higher than this guy, but I, I just want to make sure we talk about him uh, because I'm definitely interested. I think he's uh, probably other than Rashad Penny. I think he's gained the most value over the past week or so. Uh, oh, I want to no. take some Ajay P Ryan here. <laughs> God! A great one. <laughs> Three times. Yes, in this good, good, good. Uh, of course, P Ryan goes from Cincinnati to Denver um, you know, I chatted with with Matt Williamson, Matt Williamson on uh, on the Locked On Dynasty pod before a lot of these signings broke last week, and we talked about that Denver backfield, our expectations, our concerns for Javante Williams. There's a lot of negative injury related talk out there that he might not be ready to start the season. Um, in fact, that's you know that's I would say that's becoming more and more of a concern. And Matt actually said, whoever Denver signs or drafts, I want that guy. I want to get that guy. And I totally yeah. agree with him. And I yeah. like it even more that it's a player who's uh, who's going to be pretty cheap to acquire, even with a nice landing spot. Uh, P. Ryan is not going to gain a, a ton of value, or uh, at least I should say he's, he's not going to be super expensive to acquire in trades or drafts. Um, but let's be honest, he outplayed Joe Mixon for much of – this past season. And now he's, uh, he's going to be in good, in a good position to possibly be the week one starter for a Sean Payton offense. Yeah. You got me again. I I like that as well. I think I see the role, especially early in the season. And honestly, I can see Sean Payton falling in love with some AJP Ryan. And suddenly he's the 45% of that backfield, even, even with an, with a, with a healthy backfield, right? Uh, just seems like that could that could play out. So Samaj P. Ryan, I'm holding on to him. I gave myself the last pick because I'm, no way somebody takes Samaj P. Ryan. Uh, he'll be mine. Ryan got me three times in this thing, so I gotta I gotta pivot once again. Um, I don't want to talk about Carr. I don't want to talk about Jimmy G. I don't want to talk about Juju. How about Paris Campbell? I'll take him with the last one. And, and Ryan, I saw your tweet. As soon as that happened, right? You you uh you hit the tweet box like you always do, and uh oh, is that Wandale insurance yep. or a Wandale replacement? And the truth is, Wandale's hurt, and it wasn't it wasn't just a minor injury. I think I think there's a path to Paris Campbell being that guy early in the season. And you know, we talked about Darren Waller earlier. There's a chance he's a slot receiver a lot of the time early on in 2023 as well. So it's it's murky waters. And the Giants have done a lot of work at wide receiver, not with big names either. They they re-signed Sterling Shepard. I think they brought in Jeff Smith from the yeah. Jets. Uh, Darius Slayton re-signed as well. So they continue to recycle some of these names. And, and Paris Campbell is the only newcomer to this group. So I'll take my shot. I've always been a Paris Campbell fan. I love the speed. I love the twitchiness. Uh, out of the slot. I'm, I'm going to take my shot on him. I have him on a bunch of teams. I'm not taking the third round pick right now. I'm going to hold on to him and see how it plays out. It just it just seems so crowded there. I know they didn't bring back Richie James, but he played well. Isaiah Hodgins, I believe, is still there. Wandell Robinson, like you mentioned, like are they just going to run out a bunch of slot receivers again? Well, this I think year? they like, could still draft. Like they need to, you know, someone like Addison or Flowers or someone late in the first as well. <laughs> But another I mean, slot, know. you know, that's another yeah, slot. Well, hopefully you know? they, if they draft somebody, they draft a primary outside receiver, somebody that can play outside the numbers. Cause like Matt said, or was alluding to there, it's, it's a bunch of slots there. So uh, Matt, you got another name. What's the next name? Quickly. You mentioned Jacoby Brissett. Just wanted to highlight him again. You know, he, he basically produced a wide receiver one season for Amari Cooper, uh, had a couple of, of big games himself. And, you know, I think the offense generally looked better under him than, 
than Deshaun Watson upon his return. So to go to Washington and really having only Sam Howell right now to compete with, it seems like he could certainly be a bridge quarterback there. And then I wanted to highlight Taylor Heineke. I know he's he's not that exciting, but he that's I feel like that's the that was the the other name, man. (laughs) Yeah, it is, man. This compared to if they roll out with Desmond Ritter, this offense is going to be exactly the same as it was last year. If they roll out Taylor Heineke, he has that mentality. To, he's got that Jay Cutler in him. He's just going to throw the ball downfield. That's going to be, I think, fantastic for uh, Pitts and, and London, uh, obviously, and, and whoever else they bring in this offseason. It's just, you know, is Arthur Smith going to let him do it? I don't know. I just, I just think it's a great, a, a good spot for him if he's able to start some games this year. Uh, and it's Ryan, good for is the there another there. name for you? <laughs> Giving up on Matt. Um, I, I love the Adam Thielen landing spot. Um, I'm. I don't. Yeah, okay, I I, that was good. Yeah, you got me again. That's the one I was. Gonna I don't mention. think. Uh, you know, we heard some, some, some talk that he was just washed over the hill. I mean, he is certainly getting up there in age. I think he's thirty three now. Um, but that's you know we assume he's going. Be, yeah. They're going to add uh, C.J. Stroud. Uh, and likely he starts right away. I, I, that's what I would assume, at least. And I, I think Thielen is going to be his best friend in that offense. Yeah, peppered with targets. I, th- I think it might have surged a little bit of upside, short-term upside into Thielen's dynasty value. My last guy I'll mention, I'll say Deontay Foreman. He goes from Carolina to Chicago. Maybe he's the big back there with the Bears and he gets enough run uh, in that offense to be dynasty relevant once again. Depressing for Herbert a little bit. It's time for the Rookie Report. Yeah, we knew we were going to take our time with that mock draft. We probably went overtime a little bit, but luckily there's no big names to talk about among these rookies. <laughs> we'll... Uh... We're going to start with this guy out of Alabama. It's Jameer Gibbs. Maybe you heard of him, Matt. Yeah, he's uh, he's pretty, pretty good. Uh, 5'9", 199. <laughs> uh, second, second fastest 40 of 4'36". I mean, he's he's an elite pass catcher, right? I think he's the best pass catching running back we've seen come out since Christian McCaffrey. He runs wide receiver routes. He's got body control, just to the poorly flown footballs. He's got suddenness when he transitions from catching to running. He set the running back reps reception record at Alabama last season with 44. You see an instant acceleration and just lightning quick lateral cuts, uh, break ankles in the open field. He can beat defenders to the edge. He's just, you know, he's just a playmaker that, I think he has the ability to score on, on every single play. And we don't say that about, about too many of these guys, especially in this class, but Gibbs, I think is one of those. He certainly is. You mentioned the the playmaking upside as a receiver. It's pretty rare what he can do. He's, he's one of the college receivers that you, you don't really see it that often. He regularly runs option routes and uses leverage to just like McCaffrey does. He, we see it all the time in the pros with Christian McCaffrey Gibbs does the same thing. He'll he'll leverage that linebacker or that safety coming down in coverage and switch up his route and honestly be wide open, you know. And then the acceleration that you mentioned, that's the next thing. After the catch, he turns into the running back once again and he just blows by the defense. So he's a weapon from everywhere. He certainly can be utilized all over the field. I don't know if he's going to be that guy that that's flexed out and and runs routes from the slots uh, slot a lot at the next level, but it doesn't matter because he does it from the backfield and he does it so well. He's not just the dump off option. He runs the wheel. He runs the option. He runs that. Uh, oh, what do they call it? The the angle route or whatever they call it. The Houston run. I can't remember what they call it, but um, he, he runs it to perfection in that Alabama offense. And uh, you know, we're going to talk a lot about him as a pass catcher, but really between the tackles, he's no slouch as a runner either. He can, he can get it done. He might not be the 18, 22 touch guy every single week, but he doesn't need it. Right no, I mean, I think the, the speed, the receiving skills are are kind of the obvious pluses in in Gibbs category came in at 5'9 199 mm-hmm. at the combine and um you know there were some that were kind of concerned with that size and um I, I get it but if he was 5'9 203 I don't think we you know I don't think we would have said a thing about that um I think CMC yeah, we was right like 202 or something 
we'd be upset if he was five nine, right. one eighty two right. or one eighty seven. You know, he he put on enough pounds, and you know, I mentioned him between the tackles. He's not he's not the guy that's going to run power every single time, but he's a slasher, the one cut guy that that needs that small little crease, and he explodes out the backside. So you know, we're not counting on him for 14 carries in a game. We don't need that. We we want the four or five catches and we really only need the eight to 10 carries to go and along he's, with He's it. been compared so often to Alvin Kamara. And I know that, I mean, that probably gets old. We've, you, you know, we've, we've heard bad. it. It's bad. And, and I think, I mean, I do get it, Matt. It sounds like you don't like it. I get it. I think, I think the main reason for that oh. comp though is, Kamara was viewed as, yeah, he can be that pass catcher. He has, he has the speed, he has the pass catching skills, but he turned himself into basically an every down back. And I, I think that's kind of, that comp is kind of made as, uh, as a way to say Gibbs can Projection. do the same thing. Gibbs can run the ball. He doesn't just have to be uh, a pass catcher in, in an NFL offense. Who's the comp you like, Matt? I like uh, I like somebody like Jamal Charles to be honest with you. Okay, All they're right. almost That's the same one. exact size. They're almost the same exact size. Both great pass catchers. To me, to me, where the Alvin Kamara comp breaks down is with the contact balance and and uh, w- running in between the tackles. To me, like he doesn't have the contact balance that Alvin Kamara does. You see him. You do see him get uh, brought down by arm tackles. And that really doesn't often happen with Alvin Kamara. He doesn't have the same toughness in there. Um, and to me, another comp reason why I think Jamal Charles is a, is, is a decent comp is they, I feel like they both have the same issues coming out of school where you mentioned that he can run between the tackles and I think he can, but you see, I feel like I see him try to cut it to the edge way more often. So he needs to be learned to mm-hmm. be that inside out runner where he starts inside and then breaks it out, uh, out, out towards the sideline with that speed. Once he's through that first level of the defense. And that's the same thing that Jamal, Jamal Charles had coming out. And once he fixed that, it was off to the races with him. So if he's going to be that between the tackles runner, that's the part he needs to fix. And also add 15 pounds. Cause I think Kamara was mm-hmm. what, 215, 217, something like that at the combine. So uh, that's the, the disconnect for me with the Kamara comp. I, Okay, you guys might think this one's a stretch, but I see Aaron Jones with him. And I know yeah, Aaron okay. Jones was a 4-5-5 five, five or whatever he was. So maybe he's he's Aaron Jones with a little more burst, Steve. you sure. know, the, that first few steps. Because Aaron Jones is fast. But he doesn't have that first three steps fast, you know, like, like uh, we see with Gibbs. What it all comes down to here, Ryan, though, is dynasty value. Where's the landing spot? Where's he going in the NFL draft? Because we all see him right now as the guy that, you know, if we didn't have an elite uh, Saquon Barkley-esque type um, rookie running back in this class in Bijan, maybe he we, we would be just as excited about Gibbs. He yeah. feels that way to me. But it all is dependent on that landing spot and getting the draft capital that he needs. Where do you see him going what would be that landing spot for you? Uh, he is getting mocked, uh, not not off or not regularly, but I would say often uh, in the late first round. And of course, that's that's very juicy because we're talking about uh, Kansas City, uh, Philadelphia. Even after adding Rashad Penny, that wouldn't shock me. Uh, New Orleans is down there. That's you know a potential replacement for Alvin Kamara. We'll see how how that situation plays out. So. Late first round, uh, Buffalo down there as well. Lots of lots of good options. I do think ultimately he falls to the second round, uh, and and you know it's going to be a little tougher because now we're talking about mostly teams that are not contenders. Um, so you know the Rams are there near the top of the second round. Arizona is there. Both of those teams could certainly use some help at running back. Uh, Carolina, I know, obviously signed Sanders. I don't know if they would consider uh, Gibbs as well. I think for 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 dynasty value sake, we should hope he sneaks into the late first round. I think early second round is more likely. Uh, if you look at grinding the mocks, they have him with an ADP based on all of their mock drafts of 39 overall. Uh, so that's in that uh, Carolina, New Orleans range. Uh, the Saints have another pick there. You know, looking at his dynasty value, I mean, he's pretty much locked in as the RB2 in rookie drafts. Um, 
almost certainly a, a top three pick in single quarterback, a, a top five or six pick in in Superflex. I think looking at our startup ADP with Gibbs is a little more interesting conversation. Right now, he's the RB11 in our latest ADP. He's behind Swift and Jacobs. I could see him actually climbing up into the 7-8 range uh, by the time the draft comes with a good landing spot. Yeah, I could as well. So now we got to rank him. And we do we do our rankings every week on the Superflex premise. And right right now our top guys are Bijan Robinson at 1, CJ Stroud at 2, followed by Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Matt, if you got to rank him, where are you putting him? Amongst running backs, I have him as a tier of his own at two. Uh, but with these guys, with everybody and that we've looked at, I put him in the same tier as Jackson Smith and Jigba, but just behind him. At totally six. agree. I, I would have him uh, behind JSN as well. So uh, that would put him at six right ahead of Jordan Addison. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm an outlier in my rankings. I love JSN. And I feel I feel like I would take him above Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson even. So I'm, I'm outside the consensus when it comes to that. I'll defer to you guys on it. I have no problem with taking uh, Gibbs at six, though. That's right where I have him ranked overall. So Gibbs falls right there at six. The next guy we got to talk about, guys, is Josh Downs, the wide receiver from North Carolina. Matt, I don't know what you think about him, but, man, he caught a lot mm. of passes last year for the Tar Heels. He was all over the field, 94 catches, over 1,000 yards, and 11 touchdowns, really broke out, and profiles as a run-after-the-catch, dynamic playmaker inside uh, the right offense if he lands in the right spot. He's going to be another guy that is going to depend on landing spot, and he's going to need a little bit of draft capital, of course. But he's he's a guy that's slowly moving up dynasty rankings for good reason. Yeah, I have a lot of notes on down, so please cut me off if I'm if I'm too wordy. Okay, Ryan, what do you think? <laughs> Go ahead, Matt. He's, Sorry. He's just he's another one of these receivers. I just have I struggle with separating these guys, and I think I need the draft to come for me to do it. But he's one of these smaller guys that's just not quite fast enough. But the production profile is there. He set school records in 2021 with 101 receptions and 1,300 yards. Uh, things that I really like about him, uh, he controls that foot foot frequency, that foot speed so well. It reminds me a little bit of a, a shorter, maybe less explosive Jamison Williams in the way that he can just start off the line so hot to eat up the space between him and the defender. And then he slows down when he's just a couple of steps away and then just takes off again. And that disguises the route that he's running. Uh, whether it's going to be a slant or an out route or turning back uh, on the speed to get vertical. And he just sells it so well in the opposite direction of where he wants to go. Uh, So I love his route running, silky smooth at that, explosive out of breaks. Uh, You see him vary his speed within a route as it develops, you know, based on the body position of the defensive back. Uh, I do think even though he's such a good route runner, he does have a little bit of a limited route tree, like lots of slants and outbreaking routes. Um, but he's just, he's really fun. He, extremely reliable hands, a 78% catch rate. That was number one in this class. Uh, uh, so he plays bigger than his size. Uh, 13 out of 18 on, on contested catch opportunities, 72.2% there, which is first in the class. Uh, there's a play against Notre Dame. Uh, it's a slot fade where he catches the touchdown over the defensive back. That's just incredibly impressive. So as, as undersized as he is, one side 171 pounds, it just doesn't feel like it's big enough for the way he plays. Um, but I think he can absolutely like be a focal, focal point of an NFL offense uh, if you can scheme around that, that, that size discrepancy. We haven't gotten to Jalen Hyatt yet. But there are yeah. parts of of Downs's game that I wish Jalen Hyatt had. I wish he had that route yeah. variance yeah. that you're Absolutely. talking about and that that change up to be able to uh, change at the top of his routes and hide that route that route running ability and the hands. You know, man, you mentioned the catch rate uh, on contested catches. That was something I wanted to talk about because he is he is a smaller receiver and he profiles to most I think as a slot receiver. Now, he played on the outside a little bit, or, or more than a little bit, I guess I should say, at North Carolina. Um, but he's another one of these receivers that most likely going to be playing the slot. 
He's going to be a, a player that you try to get the ball in space, in, in openings, and, and let him make plays after the catch. He's he's a little bit more of a weapon instead of a receiver at times. And the right coach will see that as the perfect player to pick in the second round of the NFL draft and turn into your wide receiver two on an NFL team. And Ryan, I think he probably has some our wide receiver two upside in Dynasty even because of that electric playmaking. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the size for me is is really the almost the only concern. And he does at times, I mean, talk about the toughness and the contested catches. He almost plays bigger than, uh, than that size anyway. So maybe, maybe that shouldn't be as much of a worry. Uh, he's another guy, I think that could sneak into the late first round. Um, you know, man, that would, that would do a lot. Absolutely. We, we had the same types of conversations. Um, and I think we even talked about it on here possibly, already about Jahan Dotson this time last year and looked at him as probably an early second round pick. And of course, not only did he sneak into the first round, he, he got up into the middle of the first round and, uh, and really gave his dynasty value a boost. I mean, we've talked the past couple of weeks about how poor this free agent wide receiver class is. Um, I think, I think that's really going to boost up, this wide receiver group and guys like downs, maybe Hyatt, uh, Zay flowers, almost, almost seems like a lock. Now those guys are going to go a lot higher than, than they're being mocked right now. I think. Yeah. So let's, let's rank him. We, uh, he's a, he's a fun player to think about, to think about his dynasty upside. It's difficult to get him into the, at least, at least high into the the first round. The end of the first round seems logical. Right now, that range, guys, is after like Will Levis at nine. It goes Zay Flowers at ten, Zach Charbonnet at eleven, and Marvin Mims at twelve. Uh, we actually have Devin <laughs> Beechain at uh, thirteen. <laughs> Matt must have put Beechain in there. Uh, so that that's the range that we're talking about here, Matt. You want to rank him first? It's really tough. I mean, I almost feel like we need to re-rank these guys again, at least for me, per, me, me <laughs> personally. This, like, I, I, I like, <laughs> I know we did, but like, I like him more than Will Levis, uh, but I also like him about the same as Zay Flowers. I, I kind of want to put him a, a, above Quentin Ooh. Johnson, Johnston, but I like Charbonnet about the same as him and Mims about the same of them. So it's kind of rough. I, I guess I'll settle in it at, at 10 or 11, right around Zay Flowers and well, Charbonnet I, and Mims. Yeah, I mean, guys. first of all, you don't get a Will Levis vote anymore, so that's out. Um, <laughs> but, I, I, do, I mean, I think the conversation really starts with where do you value him in comparison to Zay Flowers? Um, and I, I prefer yeah. Flowers. Yeah. Yeah, that's I prefer Flowers. Uh, so I would, put, uh, I would put Josh Downs at 11 here, above Charbonnet, above Mims, above A-Chain. Okay, and I actually have it the opposite. I I easily prefer Flowers, but I at this point right now I prefer A Chain and Charbonnet to Downs slightly, yeah. very very minutely. Um, but I could see the draft easily flip flopping that. So we got to we got to find some common ground here, I guess. Uh, I guess that that lands him. Uh, uh, I guess we'll just put him below Flowers, and I'm happy with that. So right above Charbonnet. Mims and a chain. The final rookie we need to talk about uh, backup running back in college. It's uh, Roshan Johnson from Texas, Matt. He, he had a lot of publicity, I would say at the combine, everybody wanted to know about Johnson and uh, his relationship with Bijan Robinson on and off the field, all those things. He didn't run like some of us were hoping he would run, but man, he's a big back with some upside. Yeah, I, I, the first thing I wrote down about Roshan Johnson is that he is fun and mm-hmm. frustrating to watch, both of those things. Uh, he's a quarter, converted quarterback. We know we got most of his work as a freshman, 
uh, due to injuries before Bijan got there and kind of blew up everything. But on the positives, you know, you see him run with power and contact balance. He's got to build up speed, especially once he gets to the second level. Uh, and he's just so aggressive uh, with his physicality. Defenders just it feels like they don't want to tack- tackle him. Uh, do you guys remember uh, the movie Jurassic Park? There was a gosh, I can't remember the character's nope, name. Never the heard guy of it. Who was the hunter? <laughs> There was a guy that was a hunter and he talked about how the velociraptors, they like test the defenses, right? That they go run around, they test the defense. And that's kind of like, I feel like, uh, Roshan Johnson does when he's like probing that, that the defensive line trying to get through, he's looking for cracks and creases in the defense. And then with that size, he's still able to get skinny through small holes, uh, which to me is very impressive for a back his size. So he does have a quite a few negatives, but I just love the power and the speed that he has and the ability to find those, those small creases in the, in the defense. Yeah, I, I see all the things you're talking about there. And the one thing I would add is is probably the ability to take those, especially low body hits, those, those shots yeah. to his legs and stay on his feet. That's a strength of his. Sometimes he runs a little high, so he'll take high shots mm-hmm. and fall over from time to time. But when he when he takes those one-arm tackles or those attempted wrap-ups, he steps out of those tackles, uh, is able to bounce off those tackles regularly. I, I also see he, he feels faster when you watch him on film at Texas, Ryan, than what he did at the combine. It, he feels like a faster player than that. So maybe it was an off day. Maybe that's that's his speed in shorts, and he doesn't lose anything by putting the pads on. Whatever it may be, yeah. I feel like that that 40 time is lingering with me, that that maybe he's just not fast enough to be the player that he for that for that kind of game to transition to the next level and become a – at least a first and second down running back. You you're on the other side. Well, I'm, I just see the I see the forty time completely different. Honestly, I mean he ran a four five eight, I believe. Which um, I mean that's not anywhere near top of the class by any means. But uh, a back of his size, I don't think that was expected. I think he actually plays slower than uh, than what that forty time shows. You know, all everything Matt was talking about probing the defense that just sometimes that feels like it's just so slow developing in uh, such a slow developing process for Roshan Johnson. I do think, you know, at the combine, he talked about, um, I think the question was, why didn't essentially, why didn't you just transfer? Uh, You know, you're a talented back. uh, You could have gone almost anywhere else in the country and, and had some significant playing time and he just talked about his perseverance and, and that he wanted to stick with that, that commitment that he had originally made. But he also talked about how he wanted to um, basically use that experience as a backup to improve other parts of his game. And I think he totally did that. Well, he's a very solid uh, blocker, both pass and run blocking. He is uh, definitely yep. an asset on special teams, played special teams throughout his Texas career and I think he's a lot better receiver than than he's given credit for for a guy his size. So, you know, he kind of took the the leftovers from Bijan Robinson and and made the most out of them. And I, I mean, I I love. I don't want to say I love everything about him. There's there's definitely some negatives, as as Matt said. But I d- I think he's undervalued. Uh, I think he ends up being a day two NFL draft pick. And if that happens, if he gets into that third round. We we're gonna see him sneak way up uh, dynasty drafts. I think you need to go back to that freshman film to really look at his pass catching because there's a couple of of catches during that season where you see him just like turn around and make wide receiver style catches, jump up and twist his body in the air and adjusting to those off target throws. Um, Dan, just the negatives for me, Ryan kind of mentioned it, but for me, it's that inconsistent vision and footwork. Just, I think he's strictly a one cut and go runner. Uh, anytime he has to make a decision, if he's going to be playing like a zone scheme or something like that, he just doesn't have the instant acceleration to make multiple moves or stutter step behind the line of scrimmage. And when there's any kind of, uh, you know, penetration or anything, like it just seems like he's not sure what to do and can get bogged down in that regard. So that part is concerning if he goes to a team with a, with a bad line. Um, but that's that's the biggest negative for me, really. Yeah, I, I don't see him as a guy that can can make up for a missed block or anything like yeah, that. I, exactly. I like the power. You guys mentioned that he's a physical runner. I like to watch him play football. I'd like to see him get the get the ball. 
maybe that just translates into a really good Big 12 running back and and a role player in the NFL. And I guess that's what I see. If he gets that kind of draft capital, Ryan, I, I would be really, really surprised. I, I see more of a fifth round pick than I do a third. Oh. Um, so, and I know some people are talking about him as, as of that third round guy. I, I, I'm just not seeing it. So my ranking is going to be way different than, than you guys are going to have him. Um, so we're going to have a hard time placing him for sure. I actually don't have him in my top 40 picks. I, I, he's oh. not a top 40 player oh. for me in dynasty right now. Uh, so you guys are going to have to take the lead on this one. I got him right around, right after Tajay Spears, to be honest with you. So what does that make him running back five or six? Six, I think. One, two, three, four. Yeah, our running back six, right around there. Um, Ryan, what about you? Yeah, I would be good with that. That's above Rashi Rice, above Sean Tucker, the tight end group, all four of those tight ends. Um, you know, maybe to to make up for the uh, for how Dan values this guy, maybe maybe we put him down with a Banacanda uh, behind the tight ends. And I, I actually misspoke. I think I said top forty. I meant to say not in my top thirty. I have him by Chase Brown and Muhammad Ibrahim at thirty-two Ooh. overall. Yeah, I definitely like him a lot better than those guys. I guess we could be in compromise and put him at a band, with a Banacanda. I mean, down there, that's that seems okay. All right, so let's uh, let's put him one spot above a Banacanda. I I, I think uh, I think I'm all right. I'm good with that. Um, so there you go. There there you have it. We uh, we got through Gibbs, Downs, and Roshan Roshan Johnson. We got a few more big names to get to, and we're going to try to cover them as quickly as we can here. Uh, got plenty of time until the draft, but uh, we want to get through as many as we can. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.